Strategy. Design. Marketing. UX. Digital. Development. This is Agencies That Build, the show dedicated to leaders and teams that design and deploy in the digital world. My name is Casey. I'm a former coder and agency owner. And I'm Maroon, a better coder and an agency partner. Better? <laughs> Probably true. This show is sponsored by Galaxy. On a mission to help agencies grow. I had to hit the button, Varun, because otherwise the show was going to happen before we hit record. It was awesome conversation beforehand. Well, who's our guest today? He is amazing. He's a true leader. He's an entrepreneur. He's a coach, strategic business development aficionado. I don't, I don't know where that came from, but I, I'm finding out that's pretty true from just the few conversations I've had. His company, they use tech to serve the purpose of marketing. They make it happen. 2020 is the 30th, 30th year as an agency, yeah. managing partner president at MC2 Design Group. Michael Coogan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. What Man. did you say, aficionado? Yeah. <laughs> You know, That's sometimes true. I write this and sometimes people put it down for me and, and, uh, I, but I agree. You're, how'd you, you're aficionado, man. Well, let me talk less. This is our, our, our leadership series. Let me pass you this thing. Ugh. Okay. It's kind of heavy, but all right. Hold on. Out. Here you go. Uh, you got it. Got okay. It. There you go. All right. Take Thor's hammer, smash for us some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all. All right. So I got a couple and these apply to me, but I think they apply to other people as well. I think a myth that a lot of people have, and, and it's a kind of a culture thing that you have to have gone to college or finished college to be successful in business or be a successful entrepreneur. You know, it's like, I don't think Bill Gates or Steve Jobs actually finished school, you know, and we, yeah. I think they're, they're sort of successful. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I am not uh, pro learning. Cause I think learning is super, super, super important. And all of that. I think that, uh, you know, what was that Mark Twain quote? I never let school interfere with my education. You know, it's I love like, that. you know, the, the thought of just, you know, being a, being a lifelong learner and moving forward. Right. You know, I think the fast company talked about the average CEO reads like 50 or 60 books a year. I think Bill Gates said one time that he reads like 50 books a year. So like learning is something we should all be doing all the time right you know yeah. that there's that you know that statement readers are leaders leaders are readers you know it's like if we want to continue to grow and improve we have to be consuming content and have a desire to learn and get better and so that's a super important part of it we don't necessarily have to have some letters behind our name to be able to be smart right or to be able to be successful and so um, you know, for a lot of people, college might be the right track. You know, I, I hope that my dentist or my surgeon has gone to college and learned some things about, yeah. you know, some techniques before they start, you know, getting on me. But there's a lot of careers. And I think most careers, um, you know, probably more of a vocational track, right? Like if you just get into it, you like it, you start working, you start learning. And that's when you become really effective. I think in our industry, particularly, like, the web developers who like do it for fun and did it as kids, you know, like those guys really are just passionate about it and they, and they dig in and they learn the designers that are just naturally creative. A lot of times in our interviews, when we're interviewing somebody, we ask that question, like, what do you do for fun? And if they're, we're hiring for a creative position, if they do creative things for their hobbies, for their, for their enjoyment, then I know that they're really going to be passionate and good uh, creators within our organization, you know, if they're web developers and they've got these side web projects that they're excited about and passionate about or things that they're doing, then you know that they're really wired to do it. 
and it's 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 you know it's a good career for them and so I'm a fan. I mean, Mike Rowe and all of his vocation blue, you know, blue collar kind of stuff. Like, you know, I think we need to probably create more systems that are more vocational training for education and less let's leave school, not really know what we're going to do, not get a job in our degree and have a massive amount of debt. I think that that's a recipe for, you know, uh, an uphill climb for, for a lot of folks. So uh, that's kind of my, my take on that. Uh, the other one is, is that well, hold on a second. I, yeah. I love, by the way, that that is so true. That Mark Twain quote, fantastic. Um, but it was funny because like you don't necessarily need to have letters behind your name and your uh, your virtual background. You literally have letters right <laughs> behind you. <laughs> but yes. but that, is- that being said, it, right there's there's learning and then there's education, and sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. Do you read a lot yourself? I do. I do. I, I, I probably consume the, in that 50 to 60 books a year range. Um, I do, I do, I do read physical books. Like, I don't know if I got this virtual thing. So it starts. So like, I like to read physical books because I like to mark them up and oh, hell yeah. post it. Which one is that? This is uh the road less stupid by Keith Cunningham. Yeah, I know. I know so, Keith. Yeah. He's a yeah, good dude. Yeah. So, uh, you find a good book and then it becomes a great manual or reference tool for later. Like, you know, if you're creating any content too, you're like, man, I know somebody said something about this and then you get some insights on it. Uh, you know, I, I, one of the things I love about books is that it allows us, particularly if you find, uh, you know, really good, uh, you know, authors or business people or whatever it is, um, it allows us to actually enter into some kind of mentorship a little bit with these people without physically having to know, you know, be in their proximity or actually knowing them. Mm-hmm. You know, I love leadership stuff. I'm, I'm a John Maxwell certified coach, you know? And so like, you know, John Maxwell, even though I have met him in person a couple of times, like he's, he, to me, he's like a mentor because of all these books and, you know, I hear his voice in my head, yeah. you know, when I'm reading books and, you know, like I think Keith Cunningham from, from, from just business advice is probably one of the best out that exists out there just because it's just so practical and pragmatic. It's, you know, he's, you know, he buys and sells businesses for breakfast, you know, so he's got, you know, he has so much experience that, you know, uh, and then he writes his books in a way that like every chapter is like a standalone piece of, you know, content that you can take and consume and help. So have you ever done one of his events? I I have not. Okay. I, I know about them, but I have not done any of his events. They're, they seem really interesting, you know? Yeah. I, I haven't either, but, but even hearing you talk more about him, it's like, yeah, that's a great reminder. Like just getting, getting some, some education time with some of the greats here. I, I, I first saw him at um, Tony Robbins. He was basically doing like, this is all the accounting you're ever going to need to know as a business leader yeah. in, in the next yeah. four, four and a half hours. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Keith, so Keith's a great I, guy. I have a, I have a question for both of you. Like, yeah. you know, since you brought up the point on learning and reading books, right? Um, yes, it, it's key. Like every leader, everyone, like they, they talk about reading more and more and keep learning. The challenge I see, you know, with many people in general is that how, how do you retain the information? I saw in your books, like you put a lot of post-it notes. Mm-hmm. So mm. as a tactic, like do you refer them again and again? Like, like, so when someone is going to write about something, then it makes sense, right? For them right. to, you know, make a note on those points that you want to bring up in your writing. But when you are just reading for the sake of learning and mm-hmm. enhancing your in knowledge, uh, over time, you know, it's, it's natural for people to start forgetting. So how do you make sure that you, you know, um, yeah. you, you remember all that stuff that you learned? 
Well, I don't, Casey, do you want to, do you want to take, no, you, I, I retain right. Jack. So <laughs> you, you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, I kind of approach it a couple of different ways, right? You know, with anything, right. It's the more time you spend in the seat, you know, more seat time. So it's like, if you find a book that kind of connects with you and the way the author writes or the content that's in it, like, I think it's foolish to only read it once, you know, that mm, there's okay. a great book by Henry Cloud called Integrity and the Courage to Meet the Demands of Reality. And it's just about living life in, in, in the right way and doing business in the right way and understanding the wake that you leave. But I, I make a point of reading that book every year just because yeah. it's a good reminder of things. Um, and, and so so if there's a good book, like I do go back to it, especially if I make notes. So I, I read books a few different ways. Like I do a lot of audio um, books through yeah. Audible and, and then I have physical books too. So if I'm interested in a book, I tend to probably download the Audible copy of it first. And so I've, I, I, I create systems for myself to, 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 to be productive. So I like you get in a good book and you're listening to it from an audio standpoint and you stop it. You're like, man, I want, I want to, I want to continue on. So what I've done is I, instead of when I work out in the mornings and I work out at my home and, you know, I'm kind of, kind of a home setup here. I don't listen to music. I listen to audiobooks when I work out. So one, I want to get, and I only listen to that book while I'm working out. So, really? okay. I, so, so I'm motivated to go work out because I want to pick up where that book left me off the other day. And then while I'm working out, while I'm listening to the book, it makes the workout go by faster. Yeah. So it, it serves a double purpose for me in, in, in doing it that way. I, I also have it, will listen to another audio book only in my car. So it, even if it's five minutes or 10 minutes or when I'm driving, I'm listening to an audio book in my car. I, I sometimes listen to music in the car, but that way too, that I'm just trying to capture all of those times that you're normally wasting just collecting content. And then I'm like, if I really like the content, I'll buy the physical book and I'll read it. I'll take notes. I'll post it up and, you know, I'll sometimes put notes in it, take notes and put them in Evernote. Mm -hmm. But most of the time the, the, there's, you know, a dozen or so kind of core books that I might refer to in in a season. And they're all, they're usually all within arm's reach. I have five or six books that are right here within arm's reach. And if I didn't have this virtual background on, you'd see kind of the ones that are on the shelf behind me. And I cycle those ones in and out. It's not for show. Those are like kind of the things that I'm working through or processing or content that I want to take in. And so those are kind of moved to the front of the closet, so to speak. You know, I've got another bookshelf for all the, the archive stuff goes, but yeah. it's just, you have to just spend time in it. Right. And, and if you're not, you know, some people need to stop and take notes and, you know, I think it's important that you, that you, carve out that time you know it's i mean 15 minutes a day reading i i I think that the average i think 27 percent of the population doesn't read any books at all right yeah and so if we spent 15 minutes a day just reading on some topic we want to get better on and took a couple of notes so what's this mean to me you know how can i apply this today or how can i apply this this week you know use some application tactics you know, that, you know, that compounds over time. And we do that for two years or five years or 10 years. All of a sudden people think, man, you're a genius. How do you get so smart? (laughs) 15 minutes a day, you know, Uh, John Maxwell talks about just like the hour a day, an hour a day, five days a week, you'll be an expert in anything. And just, but it's about taking the discipline to carve that out. And we all waste a ton of time doing stupid stuff that we could replace it with things that would help us grow 
in our knowledge and our wisdom and, and, and how to operate in life. We just have to say yes to something and say no to something, right? We have to give something up, right? It's, you know, let's watch one less episode of The Office or whatever that is we're watching on TV and, and, and spend that time reading a book, you know, instead right. of watching two hours of TV, watch one hour of TV at night or whatever that is. But it's, you know, it's about like, what's important to you, you know, what's important okay. to you in, in the long run. And it's long-term thinking, all of this stuff compounds, right? You're yeah. working towards your own personal development, working on your own skill sets as a developer, as a designer, as a marketer, whatever those it, those are, like, you know, it might not seem like you're getting any traction in the moment, but then you have those, you look back at some point in the future and you're like, wow, man, I, I actually kind of know a few things or look what I've accomplished or look what I've done. It's, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, it's about, it's about the law of, of, of compounding just consistency, consistency, consistency over time. And at some point you look back and you're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And that yeah. plays out at everything, right. In relationships, in business, in finance, the, that, that law of consistency and compounding like works in our advantage if we understand it and we just commit to some level of intention, five minutes or 50 minutes, whatever it is over time, at some point we'll be able to look back and say, hey, look at all of this knowledge, wealth of knowledge or wealth of wealth or yeah, yeah. This relation, these relationships that I have grown and, 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 and what I have. And that just comes from just, you know, doing stuff with, with consistent action over time. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. That, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, strong points. Yeah. Can I, can I, uh, can I extract your top three books you're reading right now or, or that yeah, I mean, uh, Ferris question is what, you know, what would you, what book would you gift somebody? Yeah. The road less stupid to any business owner. Well, you know, I, I always tell people, well, you need to get this book and you need to read it. And I already mentioned the other one, integrity by Henry, Henry cloud, I think is a transformative book. You know, it, 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 it really is just, you know, giving us a great picture on what it looks like to live a life of integrity and what that looks like in business. And, you know, having this kind of transcendent kind of thinking of, you know, making things better in the process, thinking about the wake we leave behind yeah. as we you know, are we leaving a good wake or a bad, a bad wake? I mean, those are definitely probably some of my top two. I think for any leader who, I, I see a lot of business owners who are, are good tacticians, like they know how to do something really good and, and yeah. they want to be self-employed but there's some like leadership things that they need to work out. Cause if we're going to grow a business, we need to lead people. And, yeah. you know, so anything John Maxwell is going to help you. You know, I'm a big fan of John Maxwell. I just starting at the basics of developing the leader within you 2.0 by John Maxwell, I think is a great book. Even if you have some leadership skills, just some of that reminder of foundational elements, right. Yeah. About communication and setting vision and, you know, trust and serving and all those things as a leadership as a leader in leadership, you know, we look at professional, like the analogies to professional athletes, the, the guys that are at the top of their game, right? I don't know if you're a Dodgers fan or not. I'm, I, 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 I'm what not team? particularly, what's that? What the Dodgers? team? The, the Dodgers. Oh, I thought they what were team? in the minor league. They didn't get shot back yeah, okay. down. <laughs> All right. I see you going. But you're like, look at a guy like Mookie Betts, right? You know, Mookie right. Betts, who's like, you know, a superstar. He's an awesome guy, but like he is known for doing the basics. Right. You look at the guys that play at the high level in any in any sport, they'll be out shooting free throws or they'll be out chipping, you know, or putting or whatever. Like it's the foundational things of just doing those things over and over and over. Even after they have made it, they're still working on those foundational elements to be successful. And 
And I think John Maxwell does an exceptional job with his books of helping you with the foundational things as a leader to, to help you move your, your business forward. Mm-hmm. Man, good list. Yeah. Good list. I, I, in what I love about this is, I mean, not all books are fantastic, but when you listen to people you respect and trust and they're telling you, man, this, this book is, is it you go yeah. get it. I mean, I just, yeah. I just found, I just found integrity on audible yeah. just now, as you were saying that it's like, yeah. And, and that, that is more golden than honestly, a lot of most mm. of the universities or colleges these days, um, yeah. biased, but, uh, yeah, back to your original myth. And anyways, you don't need yeah. the school, like, but you the, the, learn. the one piece what you were just saying is that, um, you know, about reading books it, it, with anything, right? It's kind of like eating at the buffet. You go into the buffet and there's all this food there, right? Yeah. And you have all these options and, and, and you're moving through it, but you're going to pick what fits your appetite or your diet or what you're, what's required for you at that moment. True. I always encourage that with books too, right? Not every author has everything figured out, but you're going to find little pieces you know, within that book that fit your appetite, that fit, you know, what you're, what you're looking to consume and, and need for whatever you're trying to accomplish at that, at that moment. Sometimes it's garbage, right? They're, they're like you said, not every book is great, they're, but there, you know, you might get one good thing out of a book, but there's some other things where you're reading a book. You have to recognize that that is garbage. I don't need to, cons- I don't need to take that in. I can leave that aside, but this one's this little piece here I can put on my plate. And yeah. so it's just having the wisdom and discernment to do that as you're, as you're reading and consuming content. Unfortunately, we allow too much garbage to get into our lives. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. But, um, but the, the fact that, you know, it's almost like the, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, you know, that there's that book, maybe you, you read it or you're like, yeah, it wasn't really fit. But then there's that book mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, I've recently been challenged with integrity challenges, mm-hmm. people wanting me to not do that. Like that, that book is mm-hmm. now and is the perfect time. I heard this on the podcast. I'm going to get it. Or maybe for people not right now, but then it's like in their head. And then later on when it's the right time, it's a good point about not trying to cram. Some, yeah. I really want to eat some crab rangoon, but you know, let me go get some salad first. Like, no, get what you want to get at that buffet. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Just uh, a little note about the reading thing too, is that, you know, I talked about reading books over and over again. Like you're a different person a year later or two years oh, later, or three so years true. later and you read a book again, right? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to look at it differently and it's going to impact you in a different way. So it's actually a different book, right? Even though it's the same book, you know, if you read that book a few years later, again, it's actually a different book because now you have three years or two years or whatever that time span of experience that has changed you into a different person. So you're going to have a different filter upon which you consume that the content of that book. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. There Boom. it is. We just call it a day. Call it a I day. Think it's, Smash it. It's time to roll up our sleeves, Varun. Time to roll them up. You roll them up. Okay, hold on. Oh, yeah. Michael, get those. At one time, the first time I did this, uh, I had like a short sleeve shirt on, so it did not you work. You roll up your sleeves. So I you did. Are, I still rolled so them up. Wear, okay, there we go. We're ready to go. Oh, yeah. Do you, uh, you wear yeah. long sleeve sleeves now, long sleeve shirts now every time so that this part of the podcast makes sense. I do. It's dedication <laughs> to the art, you know? <laughs> Um, so, uh, so really wanted to get practical and tactical and talk, talk about some different best practices you have, you recommend maybe approaches your team takes when it comes to the ideas of the design, the build and the deploy. So, I mean, talk to us about the work that happens before you, you know, sit down with someone, you, you know, the discovery, the phone calls, the conversation, that data gathering, is there a certain best practices you have for 
how to make that design, you know, really sing? Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's a great question. I, I think that I think every agency, and I feel like we are we're constantly evolving that, like, how can yeah. we get better? You know, it's one of the things that we're working, we try to always do is, how can we be as much of a frictionless engagement with our clients as possible? And there's this tendency to put what, what work do you put on the client? What work do you take on? And if you take it on, how do you do it in a way that it's not just a big time sink for you, you know, and you manage, you're still managing margins and things of that nature. You know, we're a story brand certified agency, you know, and so a big part of what we do is about messaging. We've won some awards around the design of what we do. We've, we've got incredible creatives on our team and, you know, for us, it's super important that as, as a marketing agencies or as businesses it's super easy to build the list of what you need to do hey you need a website you need a logo you need a brochure we need to do this for this trade show we need to do the social media stuff but where a lot of people fall short is they spend it fail to spend them the time they need on what to say and when you dial in the what to say then the what to do becomes much more effective. And that old adage of 50% of every marketing dollar works, you just don't know which one does. <laughs> we can kind of throw it out the window because you start to be able to see your website site convert, your social media, you know, converting, your digital ads converting because you've, you know, you've really connected and nails, nail the words down. And that's where we start almost everybody with kind of a messaging session about who are you and what is it that you do for your customers? What's the problem that you solve? working through a discovery of identifying some aspects of the framework that fall into the story brand framework and help them really clearly and consistently and confidently communicate their message. Quite frequently you go into an organization and if I was to silo people out in the office and say, what do you do? And I talk to seven people, I get seven different answers. And, and there's just always a lot of confusion amongst people. And so when you can get people to clarity, there's unity and the business starts to really click and really move things move forward. And so uh, in a process, we always try to start there, even if it's a web project and we, and we do a lot of web work, they come to us for web work. Like we make sure that there's that, that component of messaging in it through that process of, you know, uh, the project, because we can make you a beautiful, well-functioning website, but if it doesn't say the right words to your customers, then you've just wasted your money. And, and for us, as business owners, um, my business partner and I, you know, we own other businesses outside of this. We've been very entrepreneurial over our lives. We get what it's like to write the checks. We know what it's like to write a check for an expense. And it's like, I want to put the customer in a place, our clients in a place to where they're stoked to write the check to us because they see the value that they're getting in return. And, and so much of what we do is about building that, trying to figure out what that value is. And we, we, if we can't bring value for some reason, I don't feel like we're a fit. We will, we will pass on the work. It's not that I'd much rather have the right kind of relationships where we're a good team. Cause it really is a partnership. When an agency interacts with a client, I don't like the vendor client relationship. We're now in a partnership. We are now a team to help your company become more successful. And that means we have to actually like each other kind of philosophically be aligned we have to be excited about what you do or at least feel confident and comfortable in marketing what you do otherwise we're not going to give our best effort there has to be a level of trust and even though if that lasts for two or three or five or ten years or whatever that is that's where the successful relationships come from and you need to not make us order takers 
you know, we need to be a part of your process and thinking so that you don't come to us with a half-baked idea that then we have to either try to unravel or you force us to execute on that we're, we're part of you helping, we're part of the conversations in helping our clients bake the ideas. And so that what we're doing is gonna be the most effective for them. I, I, we, we find that those are the most valuable relationships. And I was talking to somebody else the other day. I don't know the statistics in our industry, but my thought is like, you know, clients, there's client turnover is maybe three years, four years, you know, like, but when we've got clients that have been with us for 10, 12, 15, 20 plus years, like multiple clients that have been with us for years that we continue wow. to do the marketing for, which to me is a testament of that relationship building and creating value and, 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 and being partners. And, and that's the kind of clients we're looking to, to, to build. We're not looking to do this massive land grab and get every project we can get. We're looking to find the right kind of clients that can be partners with us, can be, we can be teammates with, and that we can get deep and wide with them and help them grow. Um, you know, so I know yeah, it was a systems question. I mean, the classic politician not answering the question I was asked, answering yeah, the question I'll, I want to answer. I'll, <laughs> I, I, I'll, tr I'll try to be more specific. So um, you are looking, you're, you're saying it from the uh, leadership's perspective, from your agency owner's perspective, that this is what your agency does. Like do you, mm -hmm. in the discovery process, you try to understand your clients better, their needs, what yep. they're trying to do. And then how you'll get them done is, a, is, a, is the, you know, for later, but right now you need them and yourself to understand what they are trying to do. Now, um, has so you have been in in this business for 30 years right it's been a long time yeah um right so when you started this right and and this is for smaller agencies like when you start when you are small when you are mid-size mm -hmm. um it's not always the case you are the one who is going to talk to the client right you are the one yep. who who has to acquire that knowledge and, and experience to help client understand their business better. And, 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 and well, you know, you need to put yourself in their shoes and then try to look at from their perspective. So what they're trying to achieve. Now, when you are at this stage, when you are an agency owner, you are not really doing the work right now. You have your team who does the work. So how do you transform that knowledge and so that you are out of it and your team can start doing it, right? I mean, you rely, at this point, you are basically relying on your team to right. help them, you know, help their clients or your clients. Right. Uh, so is there any tactics that you have followed like where, where, where you, your team does the amazing job with the, with the clients to, to solve yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, all of the awesome work that happens from our agency comes from the team. I, I, I pretty much get paid to talk now. So, <laughs> and uh, even though I started in this business as a web developer, I'm a terrible web developer. And so I, I've hired talented people that are much smarter than me. It was a it was a hobby that I turned into a business and then you know hired people to actually do the do the real work. I, I, now the way that we hand that stuff off is that we're we've tried to hire people on our team that all even regardless of the skill sets that we feel we could put them up in front of the client and talk yeah. to the client. So we we don't have a lot of gateways between like I try to remove myself out of after the initial conversations when we're engaging with a client and doing discovery about a technical project like Josh, our director of web development, he's in that meeting. We just had one of those yesterday. So I might be there. He might not be there. So there's like this handoff. Um, and, you know, but our philosophically, all our teams all on the same page. So, you know, we're, we're, we're not a huge team. There's 14 of us in the office, 
uh, and but we've done a, a good job of hiring what I think is the the best of the best in our area, and and with with key specialties that then they get pulled into the meetings. So we try to have a lot of transparency, and we also, you know, if the client needs to have a conversation with the web team or the creative team, they're going to have a conversation with the creative team, and 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 it's not like a lot of go betweens to make that happen. So that that the pass off of the information and what we're doing with the clients. You know, there's usually some meeting in between intake and when we, it becomes a real project, um, you know, where, where I'm in the meeting or my business partner's in the meeting and we're making introductions and we're creating value and we're sharing information and, you know, and, and then as far as just like systems things, look, so we use ClickUp as our PM tool. I don't know if you, it's a, it's a fairly new yeah. tool, but it's super flexible. It has a lot of automations and AI in it that we really the free like. one? Uh, they have a free version. Okay. We, we pay for a paid version. We came over from Liquid Planner. We were using Liquid Planner as okay. our tool. Yeah. And we really liked it because it had predictive project management in it, which is tough to kind of, you know, line your stuff up. But it was it was too heavy for our agency. And I always say, what's the best system or the best product is the one that your team will actually use. Yeah. And so trying to find an, a product. So ClickUp seems to be a good source for us now. So everything gets documented in there, what we're doing for the client, the deliverable, the outcomes. So, um, you know, any discovery documents. So one of the cool things about COVID is going to virtual meetings. It's way easier to document your meetings. So recording a zoom call, right? So, so every, every zoom call that we come off of that goes right into, uh, you know, uh, a folder that people can listen back through or watch back through the zoom meeting and get up to speed. We also will send it to, uh, to Timmy and get the transcript of it. So there's a, there's a written transcript of that zoom call. So people can pull the notes out of what's going on in the meeting. So I'm a terrible note taker. i you know, I like to be very conversational in my meetings and I want to be a pay. I want to be listening and not yeah. taking notes. And so now what I've even done, I said, hey, can I, if I'm in a face-to-face -face meeting with a client, can I record this? And then I use an app called Otter, which is the same kind of thing. It records the call and it transcribes on the fly on the phone. Mm -hmm. And so if there's something was said, I can scroll back and see what it was. But also then I have that transcription for later that, that I can outline some notes or hand it off to somebody if they're going to quote from that conversation or, or whatever. So that's kind of our process of how we hand that all off. To be, to be honest, we have gone 30 years with, uh, I use this analogy a lot, we have built the airplane as we've been flying it. So I am not a systems guy. We, we, we have a few people now that are stronger at systems. So I have always just winged it. And, and, and it's not been the greatest, but we've managed to grow our business with more of a like, hey, this time we're going to do it this way or this time we're going to do it that way. It works for me, but I realize that that is not a duplicatable system for our team. So 2020 has really been about us kind of identifying where our systems are weak, where we need improvement, you know, where do we need more automation, things of that nature. And we're really, we've been working on putting a lot of those things in place so that, um, and we're starting to be able to see the fruits of that of that labor of where, you know, yeah. people can take a project from the beginning to the end. So not every project comes through me. Like there are times I'm like, I'll see something. I'm like, wow, we did that. Awesome. You know, like, yeah. like, you yeah. know, someone else has had that conversation, that project's come in and gone through our entire system. And I never once had to touch right. it or my business partner, Brian has never once had to touch it. And, and we're really trying to, 
to build that team, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the hit by a bus thought process, right. You know, if I was to get hit by a bus tomorrow, what impact does that have on our business and like identifying those things and then making sure you've trained people or create systems in those things so that you're not, one person's not dependent on the flow of, of being successful and helping clients be successful with the outcomes of their projects. One thing that got me curious when you said like, you've been in business for 30 years, you have a team of 14 people. So in, so usually when you are in business for so long, you, you grow significant amount of employees, mm-hmm. right? Uh, maybe that was never your goal. You never wanted to grow a big company. You wanted to revenue, whatever the purpose was, have you always been at a, like that scale or have you worked with, uh, you know, other people like contractors, uh, vendors who you partner mm-hmm. up with, like how, what was the strategy? Because, you know, 30 years is a long time, <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious to like, yeah. what, 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 what was your strategy all along to, you know? Um, we, we, we may touch on this later a little bit, but I'll touch on it now since you're asking the question. So Part of the reason that we only have, we, we've been as big as 17 people. And then with COVID, we trimmed a little bit. So we, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of fell back a little bit to the, the core team we have now, which a lot of businesses have had to do. And that was like no fun at all having to do that. Uh, we are actually offering, we've recently offered a position back to one of those people that we, we laid off just because we're, you know, things are rebounding a little bit for us out here. The third quarter was a super flat. So I owned a different company. So I, I, I actually joined MC2 17 years ago and I owned another firm. And so my business partner started MC2 in 1990 with another gentleman. So, um, you know, in 1990 websites weren't even a thing, right? You know, it was, and it started out as just your typical graphic design shop. And, and, and when it was like I AOL back up, then, right? It was that? like, what's your AOL keyword? Yes, Exactly. Uh, so, you know, when you got all the, uh, AOL, uh, CDs in the, in the mail all the time to create accounts. So I, I started as a web developer early on. So in, in, the, in, in, in the late nineties, messing around with this thing called HTML and it was kind of interesting and fun. And, and that's kind of how I got into business. Cause I realized that, Hey, I think people are going to need these businesses are going to need these. It's going to be like the business card of the future. That was like kind of my thought back then. And uh, that's what kind of launched the idea of, of, of you know, getting into a business. So we were actually com- competitors. And, and, and then I think in a, we're in a small market, technically, you know, we're in a regional small market. We're north of Sacramento. Our, 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 the population of our town is 100,000 people. You know, it's pretty rural. So, you know, you get the work that you get. You end up in a lot of verticals. So there's, if we were in right. Sacramento or San Francisco. I think there probably there's more opportunity and more growth. You know, and we 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 did work on trying to pull in clients. So that was a lot of it. It was more of a slow a slow burn. And then when I joined forces with the team and we started rethinking about what we were going to do and kind of expanded our services and uh, you know started deciding uh, actually off the back end of the recession in 2008, 2009, in that middle of that recession, my business partner and I said, you know, Hey, are we in this? You know, we call it the, we call it the come to Jesus meeting. Yeah. You know, where we're just like, are we all in or is like, Hey, are we just going to wrap this up and go figure out something else to do? Cause you know, everybody was struggling during that, during that recession. And yeah. uh, our team at that time, I think was five people. Like it was just, wow. you know, and so 
for a long time, it was just, you know, you were talking Varun about when you started a business for way too long as the business owners, we were, we were the business owners and the doers. We, you know, I, we were, you did the sales and then you did the PM and then you did the design, the web development. Like, you know, it's like, you know, you're in the middle of all of it, you know, then you're doing the billing and, you know, all those things. And, you know, a few other people that you have on staff and a few other contractors here and there that you're helping with a design project here, you know, design project there. Uh, and decided that we were going to kind of push all the chips in and just really, you know, uh, leverage some things we had to our advantage. And one of those was that we always have run really super lean as a company. We've done our best to keep stupid expenses low. Um, our biggest expense is always going to be labor. Right. And, and, and I'm going to tell you a mindset set shift. We always, so then, so this is, you know, 12, 15 years ago, 15 years ago, we were like being the cheapskate business owners. I'm just going to say it. Like, can we, how can we get the cheapest labor, cheapest people to get the work done? Sure. And it impacted our ability. We didn't realize that ultimately we were getting what we paid for mm. and it impacted our ability to grow. And so when we decided, you know what, we're, we're tired of these, you know, dim wads that we're hiring. Let's spend the money and let's, let's try to hire the best of the best. And the productivity yeah. was like five to tenfold and the quality wow. was five to tenfold. And like, so that, so over the last 10 years, we have grown 25% a year over the last 10 years. So, mm. and, and so much of it was around changing the quality of the person that we hired. It was like spending the money to get the right kind of people on the team was like the game changer for us. And it, it, it helped Brian and I, my business partner and I, do what we've always wanted to do. And that was that to get out of the way of the business. We didn't have to do yeah. certain things anymore. We were able to actually work on the business more and work in the business less yeah. and have really great people that could help accelerate the growth of our company and the quality of the work that we've done. And so we, we Varun, to go back to your question, we've never really wanted to be this big, like super agency. You know, it's like, what's that fine line between having like a really great team that can handle all the needs of your clients in-house if you need to, but can yeah. help facilitate bigger projects through outsource partners, whether they be, in, you know, onshore or offshore or whatever that is to be able to take advantage of opportunity and uh, minimize the overhead that you need. So when the economy turns down, you know, you've got 40 people that you've got to manage True. and, you know, and just find that kind of ha happy balance, uh, you know, um, so sometimes you think, oh, it'd be great if we had more people. Sometimes you think it'd be great if we had less. You know, you just have to think, you know, but it's about that kind of fine line between this is the kind of work we want to do. This is the kind of work, kind of clients we want to work with. This is the kind of people we want to have on our team. And how, what's that, what's that balance of, of numbers to quality of execution? And, you know, I actually think that that 20 number, 20, you know, where we are to 20, like that's a sweet spot. Like you can have the, all the skill sets covered with some cross training, utilize other partners and really be able to make, hey, you know, be profitable, do some really great work, be competitive in bigger markets because you've got some quality team players and, uh, and, and not look big enough and not look too small and, you know, all those things that every agency is always, you know, worried about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one thing, I just want to make sure I heard correctly. You said you, uh, you do work with, uh, the contractors or do. you you do right yeah so we do yeah so just want to make sure so you do that's how you um 
find the right balance, right? When you right. want to scale up and down, you don't have to fire away a lot of people when the things are not going well. Yeah. So. Like for, as an, just give you an idea for us, like we don't do any markup. We do all the yeah. creative. We make all yeah. the notes about the product. We always send markup out. So all the, yeah. you know, CSS, HTML, we always send the markup out. Sometimes it'll come back and our, our dev team will, will do the, the deployment of that markup on a platform. Sometimes we'll yeah. use an outsource provider to, to, to do that for us or it'll be a hybrid of work of that nature. And that also helps you with, the, with, the, with, with, with being com competitive, right? Because right. when you're looking at other uh, people, similar agencies, how do they like, I mean, in today's world, in, in your opinion, how, how many people really want to do everything in-house? Do you think that's the mindset or do you think people are getting more open to yeah. work with more contractors, nearshore, offshore, you know, or, or yeah. just, you know, they're, they're, there's people available everywhere. It's global yeah. economy. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of a control freak. So mm. there's a part of that from a quality control because the, the, the creative and execution is a big part of what has made us successful. I think that makes, makes us stand apart from a lot of our competitors is just the quality of the stuff that we do. So yeah. there is the, there is the part of when you're, when you're doing it, when you're doing it in house, everybody's bought into the vision of what we're doing and you can control that better. And, and so yeah. um, there is also the part of it too. So we are capable of doing everything that we send out. We have the ability to do it in house because mm. we need that because there are times where we can't have that lag time of an app of an, outsource provider right we need to be able to do it and turn it around tomorrow or whatever it is so having that skill set so i always want to be able to do it ourselves but i want to have the option based on a case-by-case -case scenario of being able to use another partner another outsource provider or whatever it is to 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 facilitate it that makes sense and that having a good network allows an agency like ours to handle a big spike of business because Hiring the right people is a process. So you can't, the scalability of a, of a good agency is tough. So you need to have yeah. ability to handle a big spike of business and then say, okay, now this is our new normal. So what, let's start hiring some people so that we can pull some of this back in-house if we want to. Yeah, yeah. But so you need to have a good, uh, some good partners from that standpoint so that you don't like, you have to turn away work necessarily. Yeah. You can still take it and then use some out, some resources that are you know external of your organization. So, so one, one quick thing, um, because I, I, I like the idea of hearing more about the way owners like yourself think about using contractors, just because, um, you know, everyone is kind of middle of that confusion, right? Where, sh where, where should I do? Like, where should I do the, get the work done? Is it all in-house, you know, yeah. outside? But when you said like, you know, making sure that you don't have to, you, you don't increase the load on your, on your expense if you keep everything in-house, you have that flexibility, you have, uh, you have options to, to dial in, you know, dial down if needed when mm -hmm. you don't have enough. What other uh, benefits that you see for yourself, for your agency, where you have seen the value in working with, um, you know, contractors, be it anywhere, right? It doesn't have to be like, 
like if you are going offshore, yes, cost could be one thing, but if it right. is near shore or even in uh, North America, it could be just flexibility. So in your case, in your, the type of work that you do, where have you seen the most value in working with uh, contractors? Yeah, I think I touched on it a little bit. For us, the ability to not say no to a project if we really want it and don't have the staffing or we're committed to other things yeah. right? To, yeah. to be able to use those as a way to leverage competitiveness is a big part of it, right? You know, it's like there are times that, hey, we want this project in order to compete. We're going to need to use, you know, some some contract labor. I think another thing, there are things that are specialized. So for example, we don't do like app development. You know, we our developers are really good, but we don't have a big team for that. I have my development team is three and a half people, right? Yeah. You know, and so the the, their, their time is usually focused on uh, front end projects for our clients. So if, so if we have a client and they need a mobile app or they need something yeah. of that nature, some, some technical expertise or some technological thing that we don't have staffing for, then that's the perfect scenario where you're going to use, you know, an, an, an outsourced partner to help you facilitate that. Um, sometimes yeah. it's geographical too, right? You need boots on the ground to shoot a video or go take photos yeah. or do things, but they're not in your town, right? Yeah. So, you know, just using resources in that way to be able to go accomplish, still accomplish the job, in, uh, yeah. you know, in, in, in another area. But I, those are kind of the most common things that we do it. And also too, like, for example, with I'll go back to the markup thing. Like we can do it. I could do it, right? You know, it's time consuming. Right. Right. It's, yeah. it's low value. It's high value, but low, you know, like it's like, you no know, one's paying you a ton of money for that stuff. It's part of the project as the whole, it takes a lot of time to do it and do it right. And so we have all our right. styles and how it should look and all that kind of stuff. And then we use somebody that that's all they do. Right. Yeah. So they're a specialist in that. So they do it really well. They know our system. We've worked well with them for years. So they turn it around quick and that's all they do. Right. Yeah. So, so there, there's that part. That's a big benefit for us. And then it comes back and it looks exactly like if we were to do it ourselves, because, because we've worked out that relationship with them. Yeah. 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 Yesterday, uh, it's funny. We are talking on this same topic with someone else. Um, and we were, instead of benefits, we were talking about the horror stories. Like what <laughs> have you, like, yeah. tell us about the time when you yeah. were like, tensed and, and, you know, frustrated and, you know, how you deal with those situations, yeah, especially yeah. working with, you know, outside vendors. Yeah. The hardest so, thing with, I would say the hardest thing with any outsource provider, and this is near shore or offshore, right? The, is the, there are some that are really good from a, from a business owner standpoint of how they think about the, how, what they operate as a contract contractor, but most of them like one, there's the, there's the quality piece of it. And there is, there's no intuitiveness and ownership of the projects. They are just checking off the boxes mm -hmm. of, I did this, I did this, I did this, this. They're not actually like we, if we had a project and then yeah. we were doing it, we'd say, you know what? It's probably better if they did it this way. And we need to have a conversation with the client and talk through a potential uh, alternative solution to this, because this, this is, this you know, now that I'm into this, it's probably going to work better, right? Where like, that's a constant challenge that we've had, you know, where it's just like, I'm just checking off the boxes. I did exactly what you said. And there's no creative thinking. No, hey, what do you think about this idea or this idea? Or how can we, we can make this better if we did this yeah. and, and value add in the midst of it. And so what we've found is depending on 
culturally where where the providers are you have to kind of learn the systems to make that work really really well right and yeah and 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 in some places it's you it just has to be super systematic work like this, we want you to do this 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 and this and that's the expectation and everybody's great right and so um <clears throat> I have, I find that if you're going to, you need somebody who's a little bit more involved and a little bit more creative then you know, those are usually, you know, the, the one-offs that you're going to find through various, you know, sources Upwork or whatever, you know, and then build right. a relationship with them. And you're like, and you got to go through a lot of them until you find the one that like, Hey, yeah. I like the way they think and they get it's us true. and they're looking to try to provide value and, yeah. and, you know, so it makes me wonder, right. Right. You know, I know, I love people who are trying to do their own thing and, you know, and, and be entrepreneurial and, you know, do contract work. And uh, I think so though, a lot of them end up out there doing that because they probably weren't very good in a office environment or working for somebody else, you know, <laughs> so, like they got to make a living. Guilty. So they, they end up in that world. And so, you, you know, like the, the vetting process, you just have to be patient and get through it yeah. to like, when you find a group or a person that, that like, you know, seems to work well for you and your organization, then, you know, keep them busy because, yeah. you know, they're, they're hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're right. Um, I mean, ask me, I mean, I've, I've been in this business for so long and I, yeah. I know how, how, how difficult it is to, to do this the right way. Um, anyways, we can yeah. go to the next. I can talk about this like for length and for hours. So yeah. we have to other things too. So I, I want to touch on the subject real quick though, because you know, when we got in this business, I think if I was to start a marketing agency all over again, yeah. I would probably build it differently because mm -hmm. of the, the ability to do virtual work has improved so much over the last few years and to right. have remote teams, right? Yeah. So 15 years ago, remote teams were harder there wasn't mm -hmm. a lot of the best practices in place. And 30 years ago, when the agency, this agency first started, that, that wasn't even a thing, right? If you're not in the office, then you're not really, you know, there's no opportunity. Yeah. And so I think an agency that starts now has a decided advantage over an agency that started 15 or 20 or 30 years ago because of the way people are used to working. So, yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, I, I yeah. can totally see that happening. Now people are more open and they, because they have all these people at their disposal, right? They can pretty much do anything and everything and you know, one man company, right? They right. don't need to do like build a team and like, they take have time, they can take time, yeah. right? They can start, right. you know? Um, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a, yeah somebody yeah. who's really good at systems. And, and, and managing people can have a VA and, and they can have an offshore yeah. team for doing their dev, can have a contract, couple of designers and a couple of contract videographers and photographers. And, yeah. you know, they can just sell the work and manage the work and have a pretty good business for themselves, you know, and be a, be a solar shop. There's weakness yeah. in that though, right? Yes. Go back to what I said before with the hit by a bus scenario, right? Like right. that person isn't in the mix, then that client, yeah. their clients are not getting their needs met. Right. Yeah. So where you yeah. have an agency with people and redundancy and multiple owners or stakeholders within an organization that, you know, if you go on vacation, your project doesn't stop. Someone else just picks it up and runs with it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. You, from a from a client's perspective, there's still some advantage, advantages and disadvantages to the, those two scenarios. Right. 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 Makes sense. Yeah. Well, hey, I wanted to shift this a little bit. Um, you've mentioned StoryBrand a couple of times. I've heard of it. Um, 
I've heard of it. I think I saw a workbook <laughs> sometime about it. Um, I think I've been told I should read the book. What's your take? What's your take? I mean, obviously you've done enough. You, you've got certified in it to the point yeah. where it's a part of your business. What, what, how would you explain it to, uh, yeah, let me give you a little back. Let me give you a little backstory. So a challenge with, with any business and particularly with a creative agency is, um, everything that we do and everything that any agency does, whether it's creative or web development or whatever it is, it is all a commodity, right? It's all a commodity. You can buy it and sell it all day long. You know, we we're just talking about that. Let's just go to Upwork and we can buy anything we want, you know, Fiverr and Upwork. But the, what but what business owners and our partners and our, our, you know, our clients are looking for, it's not that. It's actually how you think, right? It's how you it think on their behalf that provides the value. And, and they're looking for relationships to people that think in a way that they like, right? That they align yeah. with. And so as we were building our company and going through this growth spurt, we realized that a lot of just the, like the, the, there was just a lot of fragmentation amongst our own team of what do we do? How do we help people? What, you know, we know that we're a creative agency and we do graphic design, we do web development, but you know, just like, um, you know, what's our philosophies behind marketing and things of that nature. And so I had my own and my business partner was similar, but he kind of had his own. And so we were actually talking about, we need to build a framework that we can teach the team. So if we're not here, that our clients are all hearing the same things. It's not, you know, they're, they're, we're not having that letdown in the how you think part of it, right? We're in a society yeah. where we're all taught what to think. We're not taught how to think. And so we, 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 we were really working on like, how, well, how can we help them all think, all of us to be on the same page as far as philosophically of how we approach marketing and messaging particularly to help people sell. And so- I think Google was listening to me because I saw an <laughs> ad for the book, how to build a story brand by Donald Miller. And so I, gr I grabbed the audio and like, wow, this is really great. I got the physical copy. And then, and like, I was like, it was one of those things where I read it. And I'm like, I know all these things. I talk about all these things to our clients. I just use different words and different ways to do it. And at the same point, I'm like, man, I'm an idiot that I didn't think of this first because he's the, they've made this. So the framework so simple, it seems dumb. You know, right. using ele elements of story and how we, how our brains are wired to connect with our own message, with our own story. And so it was super fascinating to me. And so I, my business partner was on vacation at the time and I, I texted him and said, Hey, download this book and listen to it on the airplane when you get home. Cause we're going to talk about it. And so um, it, for us, the book, we read the book and we were like, Hey, let's start implementing this internally. And so we started kind of implementing some of the processes internally and then realized they had a certification and started exploring that. And so they have like a, they call it the, one of the elements of it is, you know, a, the, being a guide and help being the guide to your clients. And most, mm. for example, most brands make themselves the hero when they're not the hero, their customer is the hero and their job is to help their customer achieve their goals and their story. Right. So um, to use star Wars as analogies, you know, Luke is the hero and Yoda is the guide, right? That we actually need to be the Yoda to our clients yeah. and position ourselves with our messaging. And so they have a guide certification, but then they also had an agency certification. And so we were looking at the certification part, which allows us to use their framework and, 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 and deploy their framework for our clients if we did the guide as individuals, then that still means it's still stuck with Brian or I, right? Whoever's the guide. So we actually invested in the agency certification 
And what that did was that allowed our entire team to be trained at the same time. So everybody got put on the same page at the same time. And it was the best thing we ever did. I mean, wow. it really, it, it was a level up for a lot of our people. We had people who went to fancy design schools and, and, and with marketing degrees that basically said, this is the best, this is better than any education I ever got in college. This is, this is more helpful and more informative than any education I ever got in college. So we're like, okay, that was worth it. And at the wow. same time, it brought a lot of unity. We're all on the same page, quote unquote, you know, reading from the same playbook to be able to help our clients. And so um, that, that certification has been a game changer for us. Uh, and, and not that the concepts most marketers probably know and do at some level, you know, you see them out there. It was just the way it was put together for us. It, it, it helped our team. It helped our team, you know, feel confident and take ownership of things. So I don't have to be in a discovery meeting if I don't want to. And I know that, you know, any team member that's in there is, it understands why we do what we do and how we think on behalf of our, of our, of our clients. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez, man. Well, I, I feel like I, I've been uh, drinking from the fire hose, kind of like having audible on like 10 X speed. Um, yeah. Great. Like book. 10 Ted talks all at once. Yeah. It's right. <laughs> Different languages. Um, my next question, who are you? Who are you? Can you take us back in time? Uh, Little Michael, where'd you grow up? Did you always yeah. know you to be an entrepreneur? Somebody was, I'm somebody who's always cared about his hair making yeah. sure that that was really, you know, well-kept. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'm more of an entrepreneur that happened to like, I'm a creative person. I'm a songwriter. I like to write, you know, it's like I've worked on cool. a few, few, few movies over the years. Um, you know, I wrote a script this summer with a buddy of mine for a sitcom where we try to pitch like, I like, I like doing creative things. And at the same time, I'm very business minded and entrepreneurial. I love mm -hmm. leadership and entrepreneurial stuff. So uh, I think part of the being an entrepreneur is like there's creation involved, right? You're, there's an idea and a vision and like, how's it going to come about? And like, so that's the part that really gets me excited. And I'm definitely a big picture guy. I, I, you know, there was a book I read way back in the day called the magic of thinking big and, and, yeah. and that just the idea of just having big thoughts and big ideas, you know, really can expand your possibilities. And maybe you never hit the big, crazy idea, but you know, you're getting, you're moving places with that. And I have never been afraid to dive in. I mean, it's, you know, uh, you know, the, I am definitely a leap before I look kind of person, you know, I have to, you know, I have to, you know, sometimes look more than I do when I, when I leap just because I, I'm fearless and that kind of stuff. And so yeah. entrepreneurially I've always been, you know, had ideas and different things. I think I was around 10. I kind of, you know, started getting more like, Hey, this, I can turn these things into a business. You know, I was hustling and pushing a mower around my neighborhood in the town I grew up in mowing lawns for two, four, two, four or five bucks, whatever I could get, you know? And, uh, uh, I used to use some of that money to buy a big jumbo bag of M&Ms and then I would sell them to the neighbor kids, you know, like oh, really? different things like one birthday, I got, I wanted some boxing gloves because I grew up in the era of like Sugar Ray Leonard and, you know, Muhammad Ali and like yeah. you know, boxing was a huge thing, you know, pre MMA days. Right. And I really, really love boxing. And so I asked for boxing gloves for one birthday. And so I, I got these, a pair of two, you know, two pairs of boxing gloves for my birthday. And so then me and the way that I'm wired, you know, I, you know, I tell people I invented fight club because I, the neighborhood kids back in the seventies, I would charge them to, uh, basically enter boxing tournaments and you know uh, you know i got paid to watch the neighborhood kids beat each other up not very nice but you were like a fight promoter 
Yeah. Needless to say, the uh, the neighborhood fight commission, aka all the moms and dads, they shut that thing down pretty quick. <laughs> the commission, the commissioner, they shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always, you know, had ideas like that. A lot of times I was building ideas around just because I liked it, and I and I, how can I get paid to do this? Like I got, yeah. got into paintball for a while, and so then I'd put on paintball tournaments. You what know, kind of a gun did you have? Organize and put on paint. I was back in the day with like the Tipman pro ams and like Tipman, pre, okay i was know, a spider guy pre-auto cocker days when you know like like back when you know you, you don't you're not firing a wall of paint it was actually more <laughs> pump pump action some of them yeah so but you know you know let's put together an event to make to to be able to get paid or pay for my hobby doing this kind of stuff so i've always been that way you know uh yeah I don't know if it's out there where you guys are, but there's an organiz- a company here. Well, there's Grubhub, which is now, but like there's a company called Entree Express. But in like 1986, 87, a buddy and I started a company called uh, Grub Runners. And it was basically that concept, you know, wow. like you would call in, place an order, food would be delivered, but like pre-cell phone, pre-internet, like we were yeah. way ahead of our time. And because we're in a college town, we would just, turn it the business on and off so when finals would come around and dead week then we'd go to all the dorms and pass out flyers and they would call our home number at our apartment and we'd take their orders and we'd go to run to burger king or mcdonald's and go pick oh. up their orders and charge a fee it was so you know it, i've always thought that way and so spend some time in food service spend some time doing some different businesses here and there um and then uh in 19 in the late 1990s is when i kind of got into the into the the marketing kind of web space and there's been a few iterations of it and then over the years there's been a few other other businesses involved but i like being in the marketing business because it ties a lot of the things that i that how how god has made me and how he's wired me in the sense of the creative part of it the business part of it the entrepreneurial part of it i love leadership stuff so like we're being in being a marketing agency the fact that we get to be around so many different businesses yeah. and, 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 and leaders and their strategies. We really, we get an education. We learn so much from working with our partners and just being in the space. It's super, super fun. And uh, you know, my business partner and I, we, we have, we own another company, an e-commerce company together, which was a client. We helped them start the business 13 years ago. And then we bought them like four years ago. No kidding. And, you know, we have a couple of situations where we really liked what they were doing and we traded services for equity. So we have equity in a couple of companies just, you know, as, wow. as an agency and, uh, you know. So Not many agencies we, do that. I'm, you know. Um, yeah. It, it comes back to your entrepreneur mindset, right? I mean, yeah. you, know, you are, you're not running just one business. You, you want to diversify. Uh, you know, uh, any agency owners out there are either going to agree or cringe when I say this, <laughs> but our, as an agency, our business model sucks. It's a terrible business model, right? You know, cause it's fun, but it's for the most part, there's not a lot of reoccurring revenue, right? You mm. still have to, you have to build it. You have to sell it, build it, you know, sell Good it, build point. it, sell it, build it, sell it, build it over and over and over and over again. Right. So from, from, from a, you know, a re, uh, reoccurring, you know, kind of sustainable, you know, yeah. right. You know, passive income scenario, right. Like there, you can do it. It's just harder to do in our industry, you know. Bit of a obviously, grind, host, right? hosting is a hosting is a way to create passive income, and you can build up a pretty good hosting business over time. But that's an overtime thing. It's good, but still, there's just a lot of 
you have to really be thinking about, you know, how do we take our knowledge and skills as marketers and generate additional revenue flow? And so like owning an e-commerce company for us has been great. You know, we were able to buy a company that we knew a ton about. We built the brand. We launched it. We were maintaining the website. We had to learn a few other things about it. But, you know, having that company has been another source of income for us. And it also has really helped us help our e-commerce clients because now we're in it with our own money that we're spending, you know, and so we, we, we use it as a place to sometimes experiment with things that before we try this on our clients, let's try this on ourselves. Um, You know, so there's some of that. So, but yeah, it just (laughs) seems like a natural out outflow when we're always looking for opportunities, you know, even buying, buying, buying other businesses if they make sense, you know, yeah. and, and so, so what is exciting you for in uh, about the future now, like, you know, looking at all of this right now, what do you think, where does this go from here for you guys? Yes. Yeah, so you asked me this in 2020. Okay. Can I, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause uh, I always tell people 2020 was like, you know, everybody's excited about 2020, something about it. Right. You know, like I felt like the excitement level about 2020 was higher than any other year. Like everybody was like, Hey, we're going to have this 2020 vision. Like they're making all these terrible puns about it, the whole thing. And then like 2020 comes along and just slugs us in the face. Dog shit. (laughs) You know, right. You know, and just like, take this, you know? Uh, So yeah, for us, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful. I even think about, you know, if you historically look at us as a people, right. And just we're resilient, you know, mm-hmm. I, this has been a hard year for so many people, in a lot of ways. And regardless of what side of the political fence or the, you know, the, the social, social fence you're on, you know, you know, it's democracy is always going to be messy, but yeah. we always seem to a way to make it through. Michael Hyatt made this great quote. I saw it on social media the other day. He said, we've, we've, sur- we've survived a hundred percent of the presidents that we've elected <laughs> and we'll survive whatever this, you know, we'll survive this. Uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, I'm from looking at some data and like just kind of polling different people, different clients and stuff. One of the things that I'm excited about in 2021 is that, uh, a lot of businesses have money, right? If yeah. you look at some of the data, like the mm-hmm. companies, the companies that that have positioned themselves well, they're more profitable because they've cut their expenses, and they have more cash than they've ever had before. They're sitting on it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of new businesses that have started up in during this time. There's there's the COVID entrepreneurs that are like have all these new ideas. I think there's tons of opportunity. Then there will be tons of opportunity for those agencies that are prepared to kind of roll with it in 2021. You know, I don't know exactly the date, but I just feel like, you know, even, even if COVID continues, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out how to continue to do life and to grow our businesses and generate revenue. We just all have to think different, you know, and, and, and pivot. Right. And uh, that word's really worn out, but you know, it really, it really is. If you're a business owner, you've pivoted 10,000 times, right? Because right. you have an employee leave, you've got to pivot, right? You've got a new client comes in, you've got to pivot. You've got to, you know, this or that. You're constantly having to think and pivot. And, uh, and so I uh, did a little thing with pivot. Stand, I turned it into an acrostic. So pivot's about getting perspective. That's the P, like really stepping and taking a look at what's going on instead of just having this narrow view. At, you know, we tend to come up to the wall and look right at it instead of like, okay, what's over it? What's under it? What's around it? Like, you know, how to get over 
the eye is just about innovation, right? When we're up against an obstacle, that that's the that's the place where we need to think big, right? Yeah. There should be there should be nothing off the table. We should be able to flip over every single rock, and 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 throw out the idea of we have always done business this way. That is the worst thing you can ever say, right? Totally. It's like what what does this make possible? Should be the question we ask. What does this make possible? Mm. And then V is really just having that vision of what your business is going to look like on the other side of COVID or at the end of 2021, like a picture of who you want to be, you know, and where that's going to go and, and be able to articulate and cast that vis vision. And then O is really about, there are lots of opportunities within this scenario that, I mean, we tend to want to dwell and live on the negative things, but you know, it's like there are tons of opportunities that exist and we need to find what those are for our particular situation, right? It's an opportunity to, to get better at operations or systemize or yeah. tweak our product offering or adjust our pricing or we, we've been wanting to do webinars for forever and now everybody's wanting to do webinars. One of the opportunities mm -hmm. that's come out of this is that, you know, a lot of companies have have struggled with the thought of can we have a remote workforce and still be effective? Well, guess what? You just got a test run, and you uh, you, you just got a forced test run on whether your team could actually do it or not. And now you can see it. Maybe you don't need the big office space that you have. You could have half the space and have a flex team that's in and out of the office, have lower overhead, be more flexible for the future. Right? It's just right. being able to think about it. And then that leads me to the T and the T is really about team that we need to build a good team around us when we're pivoting, whether that's the team that works for us, that's that team of mentors and advisors. Like if you're a business leader and you don't have a group of an advisory team, so to speak, of guys or gals and people that, you know, have experience in certain categories that are farther down the road, you know, that you can call and say, hey, man, I'm trying to process this. Can you help me think through it? Then you're missing out on a big opportunity. But um, there was one of those rabbit holes I told you I would go down early on the conversation, but you know, like that, that thinking about pivot in the right way, even though we're sick of yeah. that word, but that's really to me what that means. And we need to do that constantly. It's not just a COVID thing. That is a life thing. Yeah, no, that's great. That, that I can totally resonate with that in our business. We have done that so many times. People keep telling us to, to stay on track, stay on track, but doesn't happen. I mean, we keep changing directions. Yeah. Uh, for you know, for good or for worse. I mean, we are here. We are successful, and I think that is one of the main reasons why I think pivoting is so important in your you know in your yeah. career. Yeah. Yeah. So totally agile, resilient, and agile. If you're going to be successful and happy in life, period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. My my grandfather had this great saying. He said, "Life is fair." because it's unfair to everybody. <laughs> and, you know, cause it is, it's, we all, you know, it's like, we all have, it's hard. Life is hard. And, and, uh, but we get to choose our attitude upon how we navigate life, right? We can let yeah. it beat us down and be miserable about it, or we can choose to have the right attitude and look for the opportunities and, and look for the, the, the places we can grow out of it. Yeah. And yeah, well, dude, this has been just like a trip, just hanging out with you and chatting. Where where can people connect with you if they want to reach out and get more of this magic? Yeah, I'm, I'm on all the socials. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn's probably from a business standpoint, LinkedIn's where I spend the most time. So obviously LinkedIn, okay. it's Michael Coogan on LinkedIn should be able to find me. Um, I'm at Michael Coogan on Instagram. Um, if you're interested in some of my, more of my hobby stuff end up there, fly fishing, the music related things end up on the Instagram. And then as far as the company, uh, MC2, so mc2design.com is the website. And then we're at MC2 design or yeah, MC2 design on Instagram and MC2 design on Facebook. Um, you can, I think we're at MC2 design, uh, group on Twitter as well. So you can find us in all those places uh, okay. and the, go to the website, all the social stuff's at the bottom of that homepage. Perfect, man. Perfect. Great. Well, dude, thanks again for coming and just hanging out with us. That, man, this has been awesome. Thanks, man. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, for everyone out there listening, this has been agencies that build. We will catch you all next time.